Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I'm all through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. God is silent, you know, and we're like, where are you at? Where are you at? But, you know, we're never alone. He's always there, always.
Thank you for that. Appreciate all the work and effort you guys put into uh, the praise band. What an exciting service we have today. This is called our work in progress service. Um, some people call it our baby dedication service, but we call it our work in progress service. And because of that's exactly what's going on. Um, today, I don't have any notes for you, no PowerPoint. I'm just going to uh, preach. Um, and so I wanted to uh, just have all this attention. And you have your Bibles. You can uh, go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 22, Proverbs chapter 22. But the work in progress ceremony we have today is these parents that are wanting to openly um, <clears throat> give their children and dedicate their children to the Lord. And that is something Know this, this is not as a result of this service. They have already done this. They have already done this in their heart. They have already done this in their life. They've already made this decision to give their children back to God. And so that's something that they've made this decision long before this. But what they're doing today, they're openly celebrating and openly letting you know that they're committing to this. They're committing to this right now in, in front of all of you. It's, it's, it's essentially like this. When we have a baptism service, which we're going to have about, I think, seven or eight people baptized here March 6th. And so we're, that's what it is. It's, it's openly saying, I am a believer in Christ. I have been saved, and I want everybody to know it. Now, in this country, we know that you know when people are baptized, it's an exciting thing. But in a lot of countries, it costs you your life to be baptized because... In Muslim countries, they don't want you to, they, you, can, you can trust Christ all you want, as long as you do it secret and you don't tell nobody. And so here in America, it's very different. You're not going to lose your life at this point just for being baptized. So these parents are saying, you know what? I want everybody to know that I'm dedicating my child to the Lord. And it's something that I've made this decision to do. So this is, this is called our work in progress, uh, our work in progress um, service today. You're going to think that, what are you talking about, Chris, at the beginning? If you allow me to kind of navigate to bring it all back together, you'll see in the end. I thought about the other day, why do we give? <clears throat> you know, and this is not a tithing offering. If you're here for the first time, you're like, that preacher, I know he's going to preach on giving. But I, why do we give? You know, people give for different reasons. People give because they have right motives some people have wrong motives some people give simply because they want to get something back in return and they think if they give to God then God's going to bless them and, and they and that's the reason they give and some people give and they want everybody to know about it and I've, I've spoke on that I said you can either have your receipt in heaven or you can have your receipt in er on earth some people give because they're like I don't want anybody to know what I do I had somebody come to me uh, this week, and they said, look, I want to do this for the church, <clears throat> this specific thing, and you're never to tell anything that what I've done. This is only between me and you. And the only reason I have to tell you is because of, of making sure that it gets handled correctly. But I don't want anybody to know about it, because God knows. <clears throat> Why do we give? You know, I think when we give tithes and offerings, that some, like I said, some people are expecting something in return. And if that's why you give, just, just make sure you're checking your heart to say, you know what, I know God's going to bless me if I give. And don't, don't come at that. The, really, the attitude is we give because I have a complete understanding that everything that has been given to me has already come from Him, and I'm simply just giving it back to Him. 
Everything we have, down to your last penny, your house, your cars, your vehicle, your houses, whatever it may be, even your children were given to you by God. And here's what we're doing. We're giving them back. Did you hear, blessed be your name? You give and take away, right? And sometimes God does decide to take it away, but God is the one who has given it. It's His to maneuver. It's His to pull in and out of our lives. You know, sadly, for years, New Testament Christians have been taught this, <clears throat> that tithing is 10%. And they usually go to like one passage of Scripture in, in, in Micah and uh, Malachi, and they'll, they'll say, you know, this is where the Bible says you should give 10%. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible doesn't teach a 10% tithe. It does not. In fact, there's three different places in the Bible where God, God commanded a 10% tithe three different times. And then he required the farmers to tithe to the poor. And it's about 33.3% that the Old Testament required giving to the poor and to the temple and to the Levites. And so if we really wanted to get real, we'd say, okay, well, I'm going to follow the Old Testament law in this, so I'm going to start giving 33.3%. Wait a minute. I like just pulling out the one verse, right? The 10% verse. But honestly, if you look... The Bible talks about what it means to give and how we're to give back. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, just listen as I read, the Bible speaks about how we are to dedicate or to give back. He says, now I say this, the one who sows sparingly also shall reap sparingly, but the one who sows generously shall reap generously. You know, I don't, I don't sow or reap just so I can see what I can get back. Is God saying that we're going to reap generously? Yes. But you know what? That's not why I do it. Because it's His. But then He says this, Each one must do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly, under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Do you know how we should be giving? Is God, I want to do this with my life, with my money, with my house, with my life, I want to give everything, and I want to do it willingly, and I want to do it cheerfully. And this is what it says, not under compulsion. What does that mean? Has anybody ever said, guilted you into doing something? You know, you really ought to do this. You really ought to give this. You really ought to go see that person. You really should do this and this and this. How many pastors have stood up there and said, bless God, you should give this because this is a need that we have and you better do this. And then all of a sudden you start feeling guilty. Our missionary comes in and they come in with a really sad story and you're like, oh, okay, I'll do it. Let me go ahead and tell you. Keep your money in your pocket and go buy whatever, but don't give it. If that's your attitude. Because he says, do not give out of something of duty. It's just like coming to church. If you come to church because it's your duty, you might as well stay at home. Well, I got to go to church. Well, I got to go serve. I got to do this. We got to be in a nursery today. If that's what you're here, stay home because you're doing it out of compulsion. It's no different if you're giving your money or your time. You're doing it out of because it's some duty that you have to do. I've got to go to praise band practice.
We give from the heart, and we do it as a cheerful giver because God loves a cheerful giver. Ready to do anything to get the job done. People are not sitting back wondering what the church can do for them. They're like, what can we do? It's, it's, it's refreshing to have people come to you and say, what can we do? What can we do? Where can we serve? Just let us know. We'll do it. And I want to do it with a, with a glad heart and a cheerful heart. Just put me somewhere. I, that's all I want to do. Instead of the, well, I got to go do this. He says, I love a cheerful giver. And so, that's what the work in progress today is all about. These parents are not coming to you and before you saying, oh, I got to give them back to God. I got to dedicate them to God today. Yeah, it's something I got to do. It's my duty as a Christian. Because if that's your attitude, you might as well don't make that decision because at some point when God takes your word for real, and he decides to take one of your children, or he decides to put one of your children in the hospital, or he decides to give one of your children cancer, whatever, you're going to be angry. And when you said, I want to give you to God, that's exactly what you meant. And God, whatever you want to do, that's what I want. You know, when we get to the book of Proverbs, there's three responsibilities that I see in this service. I see the child's responsibility, I see the parent's responsibility, then I see what God's responsibility is. I want you to understand something, and this is encouraging. The book of Proverbs was not written to adults, it was written to youth. The book of Proverbs was not written to adults, it was written to youth. Written to the youth, Solomon. In fact, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, it says to give prudence to the naive and to the youth with knowledge and wisdom. He says the book of Proverbs is written to those to give instructions to the naive. He said, but those who are young to give you wisdom and instruction. If you are ever wanting to know what your child should read, youth, if you ever want to know what book of the Bible I should, I should read, you should stay in the book of Proverbs. Young men, stay in Proverbs chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. Over and over and over. And you'll get an idea of what that woman is like in those chapters and what that looks like and how she is so deceitful. That particular prostitute is talking about. I mean, so many different things that we see. And that's why the book of Proverbs is written to youth. But this is what's encouraging. Because I'll tell you this, there's a lot of parents who have given their children to the Lord, and we have seen them go astray, and they've done their own thing, they've lived their own life, they've gotten into this and that or whatever, sitting in jail, and the parents are saying, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault, it's my fault. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 4 says, it's not your fault. Because here's, here's what I understand to be true. If Proverbs was written to the adults and not to youth, then all this book would fall just on the adults and just on the parents. But youth, you know what he's saying? You are responsible for what I'm telling you. 
That's what he's saying in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4. Everyone, youth, you are responsible for what I'm telling you. So parents, listen to this. Parents, you're not ultimately responsible for the moral choices, the direction. If they go and follow another teaching, if they follow demonic cult, if they go off and they do this or that, ultimately their moral decisions do not fall on your head. They will stand before a holy and a righteous God and they will give an account. Period. However, midway through this book, we see our, our toward the latter part of this book, we see that he makes an address to the parents. And he makes this address to the parents in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And now we have the parents' responsibility. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6 says, Train up a child in the way that he should go. The word train here is the word dedicate. This is an awesome word. Man, I could spend hours, literally, just studying this word. Just a simple illustration here. Some of you are mechanics and you've worked on cars. The word train means throttle, like throttle body on a car. If you had a spark plug designed car, when the throttle was open, it allowed air in. And then when you took your foot off the gas pedal, the accelerator, whatever you want to say, the throttle body would close up, the car would slow down. You push the gas, it opens the throttle, it, it's an open. This is what this word says, it's throttle. Dedicate, to direct, to close off, to open up. But it's, it's also, it uses an illustration of a rope. And here, oftentimes we see a lot of parents are like, here's how I want you to live your life, and this is all the freedoms that I'm going to give you, and this is where you can go and do what you want because you have your own mind, you have your own will, and I'm just going to, you know, they just want this. This is what they desire. Let me tell you, parents, be parents. It's time for parents to be parents because you do have a responsibility in all of this, and he's saying train up. And this is what it means. To throttle to dedicate, to narrow, to be specific about what you're doing. Because if you live, if you let your child do this right here, they will go and do whatever they want. And now all of a sudden, you will stand before a holy and righteous God. And he says, I gave these people to you to train them. To do this. It's the idea of looking through a scope. Some of you hunters or shooters that you have a scope on your gun. And you have that scope and you look through it. You're not looking broad. In fact, you're closing one eye. And as you look through that scope, you are narrowing that scope on one specific thing. And this is, parents, what you're doing today. I am dedicating my child. I am making a specific purpose to direct them in the correct direction that they're to go because this is my responsibility 
And then it says in the latter part, even when they are old, they will not depart from it. Ultimately, the kid has a responsibility. They're going to stand before God. Romans chapter 1 says that they can look around and know that there's a God and they're without excuse. Then we come to this passage and we see this, that they are responsible for their own actions, but parents, you're responsible for how you train them. If you open up that note rope and you open up that cinch and you don't throttle that down and you don't direct them where they should go, well, I just think they should make their own decisions. You know, they're 14 years old, they're 15 years old. You know what? There's too many four, five, six, seven-year-olds making their own decisions. That's why you're their parent. How many school teachers we have in here today saying these kids have gone crazy? You know why? The parents are saying, well, I just let them run my house. I let them do what they want to do. It's time we start training children, directing them, saying this is where we're going. But for as me and my house, we will what? We're going to serve the Lord. This is what we're going to do. While you're under my care and my supervision and my training, this is what we're doing. But when you get out of here and you make your own moral choices, I'm not responsible for that, but I am responsible for what's happening right now. And then he says, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. What does it mean? A lot of parents look at this and say, well, you know what, my, my kid went off and did this or whatever. That must mean I was responsible. If you trained them and dedicated them and you did everything you can, they're responsible. However, what it says is early training secures lifelong habits. Early training will secure lifelong habits. You cannot imagine how important it is in your home to direct your children to the Lord at a very early age. This is why this child and baby dedication is important. But that the children's church and the Sunday schools and all of that, where we're directing these children. And there may be a day where they may stray and they may walk away, but you know what? They know the truth and what the truth is. But if you do not start securing from the very beginning an early training, it's very possible that they will not have these lifelong habits in their life. It's a wonderful principle. But I told you there was three responsibilities. I said you, there was the child's responsibilities. There was the parent's responsibilities. But there's a God responsibility too. And God's responsibility in all of this work is actually best said, I think, by Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon said, where, there is, where is there an instance of God beginning any work and leaving it incomplete? Where is there any time in the Bible where God started a work and left it incomplete? How many of you have ever quit something? How many of you have ever quit a diet before? You're like, all over the room, we could be like, yeah, I started one yesterday. I quit this morning. How many of you started a project and got about halfway through it and said, I'm done? You know, the Bible talks about the man who started the building, didn't count the cost, couldn't finish it. How many times have we started building something like, I didn't know it was going to be that expensive. Going out to quit that. How many times have we seen houses in, uh, not complete? We see that uh, actually on Random and Road. We saw that for several years where this company started investing in houses and they couldn't even complete them. Had these great big old houses framed out and they couldn't even complete them. 
There's times in our life where we start something and we do not finish it. I am thankful that we serve a God that is a completion God. Just think about it. I want you to think about Christ's journey for 33 and a half years as he's walked and he's, he's, he ran out of town. Was there ever a time where he goes, this is not worth it? It wasn't worth it. It's too hard. Do you think when he got to the cross and he, he got ready to say, you know what, I recant, I recant, I recant, I'm done. I'm, I'm not going to complete this. I'm thankful that he completed the journey. I'm thankful he completed the cross. I'm thankful he completed the resurrection. And I'm thankful for that because, because of his completion and his finished work, now we have redemption. And so whatever God starts, he's also going to complete. So his responsibility, a part of this, is actually found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, he says, For I am confident of this very thing. I love this because, Paul, I grow, I grow weary at times. And I'll go, God, what are you doing? We grow discouraged with ourselves. We grow discouraged with our kids. Man, there's days when you are so discouraged with your kid, you're like, are you ever going to get this? Are you ever going to learn this rule? Are you ever going to follow directions? And you are just wore out. There's times in our life where you ride down the road and you go, oh, oh man, I am such a terrible person. I hate my sin. This is who I am. I mean, you start seeing this is a righteous God, and I want to be like him. And we often forget that we are all a work in progress. You and I are still a work in progress. Your children are definitely a work in progress. And he says, for I am confident. I can tell you confidently. I am sure of this. Take this to the bank is what he's saying. That he who has begun a good work in you. The work, this work that is began in Christians, the work that began by the Holy Spirit, the one who started it, it is a good work. He didn't say it was an easy work. He didn't say that parenting would be easy. He said he is beginning a good work in you, a hard work. How many of you have been through difficult times in your life how many of you have been through difficult weeks in your life? How many of you have been through troubles and trials and surgeries and cancers and you're saying, God, I am so tired. How many of you have been through that and God says, this is a good work that I am doing through you. But he didn't say an easy work. Because any, good, any work that God is doing, he is doing it well. And he's doing it perfectly. And that's where we come from the last two weeks of that's why we don't complain. And he says, and I'm doing this in you. And he's not talking about unbelievers there. He's talking about believers. He says, I'm doing it in you. I'm doing it in your child. I'm doing it in you. I'm doing it for who has the Holy Spirit. I'm doing this work all over the world. He says, I am the one that is doing it. And then he says in the last part, and he will complete this work because we serve 
a completion God. And he says, I will complete it by the day of Jesus Christ. And this will be the end. There's going to be a day where we get ready to cross over. Casey experienced that this week with her grandmother where she crossed over. There's going to be a day where we all come to the end of this life. And then he says, and it will be completed at the end. The day of Jesus Christ. There'll be a day where we experience a bodily resurrection. It will all be done. He says, but let me tell you, I don't care if you are 100 years old in here today or if you're one years old. He says, I am doing a work and it is a continuous work. You will never be totally completed until that day. Wow. But you know what's exciting? That your kid is not who they were a year ago. I'm not who I was a year ago. I hope that I'm not who I was a day ago. I hope I'm changing and I'm being sanctified and I'm being glorified. I'm being continued on in this process of completion every single day. Because I know it's going to be completed. How many of you are ready for that completion? How many of you are excited about that completion? But know this, that will be the end when that completion is done. How many of you have ever gone down the road and said, God, I wish it was completed now on this earth right now where I could live out and I wouldn't have to body a battle this flesh? How many of you say amen to that? What does Paul say? Oh, wicked man that I am. He says the things that I, I don't want to do, I end up doing and the things that I don't want to, I, I should be doing, I don't do it all. He says he's riding down the road, you know. He's saying, I'm battling this flesh. I'm constant in the battle, but I'm thankful that one day that this will all be completed. Parents, I want to encourage you with this. Just as you are being completed and as you are being changed, your child is being completely changed and your responsibility is to get them focused and dedicate them to the Lord and push them in the right direction of where they should go. And what does that look like? In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that he is good and acceptable and perfect. Parents, your home should not be patterned after like the world, because if your home looks just like the world's home, then this is what it looks like. Just go any direction you want to go, do what you want to do, say what you want to say. That's what the world's home looks like. And he says, don't be like them. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. You see, Satan is, wants their mind. He wants their body. And that's exactly what you're trying to say. It's my responsibility to train them to prove the will of God. You know, 
your child is not going to know who God is or his will or what is acceptable without proper training. This morning, I thought about, I thought about what tomorrow is. By the way, we did all this for husbands up here. You didn't miss it. Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. All right. This is just your warning. And I thought about what Valentine's Day represents, you know, $150 dozen roses and, you know, $12 box of chocolates or $50 box of chocolates, whatever it is. A restaurant you spend three hours out, right, outside waiting to get in. But on this day, for us, it represents for God so loved. That he what? He gave. You know what he did? He dedicated. He directed his son to a specific purpose. And he completed that purpose. Because how much he loved us. Ultimately today, this work in progress service is a revelation of what? I love you. And that's why I'm dedicating you to the Lord. Father, I thank you for loving us. I thank you for giving. I thank you for training. But more than anything, I thank you for completing the work. Now, as parents, we come to the point in our life where we will complete our work with our children, but you will never complete the work with them because you are always with them. There'll be a day when they will leave our house and our work is completed. And they are responsible for their moral choices. They're responsible for what they've been taught. And God, but I thank you for the ultimate completion you have in our life. For those who have received you by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to have our parents come up here. And uh, Mason and Casey, if you'll stand on this side, because your document's over here. And then uh, the Ruth family, if you want to go ahead and get your, your children. Um, I know that they're in, they're in children's church right now. It's okay. This is my fault, because I was supposed to give them a warning. I got into the message. So I'll um, tell you something that Casey told me this morning. As I said, Casey, uh, grandmother passed away, but she, she texted me this morning and said that her grandmother's birthday would have been today. How old? 85, 85 today. And she said, what an appropriate service to have of dedicating uh, her child uh, to the Lord on her grandmother's birthday. So... Very interesting uh, story. Tuesday night is when she found out that she was not responsive, and we were at College and Career Prayer Group. And, um, of course, she was crying, and she said, I just want one more opportunity with her. I just want one more opportunity to speak with her and tell her I love her and for her to talk to me. Now, she is not responsive. She's not able to talk. Well, there had always been somebody in the room with Casey every time she went to visit her grandmother. And so, but during this time, she had had about an hour by herself. And Casey said, I broke the rules, took off my glove, you know. 
held her hand. And her grandmother looks over to her and says, I love you. It was exactly what we had prayed for them and for her to have this time, a time that she'll never be able to, to get back from there. So God had really answered the prayer that night, did he not? It's a beautiful thing. Here comes the real quiet clan. <clears throat> what I'm going to do, I'm going to invite um, the grandparents to come around the grandchildren, obviously, right? And so, and I want them, because this is not just a, this is a uh, family, because you grandparents also are involved in their life daily and taking care of them and watching over them, and you have the responsibility of, of the same training when you are in care, uh, in their care also. I'm going to ask my father, who has trained me, and my mother who's trained me, I'm going to ask my father to come pray for us. If I can get a, a microphone, please. And I'm going to ask him to come pray um, for these families. And uh, as they're training their children, and what that's like in the experience, because many of you, most of you in here have more experience at the final completion when their child leaves their home than I do. So I'm going to ask my, my father, Roy Davis, to come and pray for these families. Testing one, two. That's right. Let's all bow our heads. Lord, we come to you knowing you are the great uh, caretaker, Lord. Lord, you've given these children to these parents, Lord. And you give it to them with love, God. And we pray that they will share their love, God, through these children by leading them to you, God, to, to keeping them involved in, in your work, in your house. Let them realize, God, that they're right in, in, in their upbringing, that they can depend on you, God, that they can look to you, God, for all their strength and all, all the dedication that, you, that they can give to you, God, that they will be what you would have them to be, God, and, and that all strength comes from you, Lord. We pray, Lord, you just be with them, be with this family, God, be with the grandparents as they grow up, God, in the nursing of, of, your, of your church and of your uh, training, God, that you will lead them and you will direct them. And you let them realize, God, that their strength is going to come from you. Their protection is going to come from you. Their uh, days to come is going to come to you from you, God, in the protection or wherever they go, whatever they do, whatever they, they uh, achieve, God. They got to look, God, that it's going to come from you and only you, only God, because we are nothing without you, God. And we, we totally dedicate this families, God, and their children to you, Lord, that you will watch over them. You will keep your hands on them, Lord, and you will bring them up, God. Give the parents wisdom, God, to, to lead them and direct them and, and show them the love that you have for them, God. We know, God, that your love is, is unmeasurable, God. We can't even begin to comprehend how much you love us, God, and how, how, how have you watched over us and given us uh, children, God, that we could, we could bring up, God. And we pray that these children, this family, God, that these families, God, that you would just watch over them and you would let them realize that you've got them, God, and you, you've, got, you, you've got their protection, God, and you'll always be with them. You will never forsake them, God, and we give you the praise for it. Amen. 
as Steve comes, I'm going to hand out these dedication uh, um, um, certificates to these parents. And uh, when they get home, they're going to sign them. And uh, as an open, uh, they stand before you openly. And then this will be a testimony for years and years to come that they will keep in their child's room that they have dedicated uh, themselves to, uh, to, to train you. And now, kids, you are also responsible. And remember, you're responsible for yourself, all right, too. All right, I need you to start walking soon, all right, so, all right, stand as we sing. Go home. 